Hey, Afronauts, I'm K.L. Bird. And I'm Chelsea Gayden, and we're your hosts for The Hero's Journey, where we sit down with emerging Black writers in the speculative fiction space. Our hero today is Larissa Irankunda. She's an East African sci-fi and fantasy writer and an alumnus of the 2018 Thread at Yale program. She also serves as the executive producer of the Quirk Chat app, a video social network for anime and geek fandom commentary. Thanks for joining us today, Larissa. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Oh, we're super excited to have you. So first question we're going to jump into. Tell us more about what you write. Mm, I love that question. So I write science fiction, fantasy, um, and then everything that falls into the umbrella of speculative fiction, magical realism, weird fiction. Um, I just love the mystical and the whimsy that comes from those kinds of stories. And I also just love like kind of incorporating the culture that you haven't really seen in those genres into those stories. I know growing up when I would read like, you know, sci-fi or fantasy, it would always kind of be the same like cis, white, if not male, female protagonist. And, you know, they're great stories, but after a while you kind of feel alienated from it. And so I think I've been having such a good time like kind of re-engaging with the story, but from my lens, like what would I bring to this? Like what would someone with my experience kind of, how would they see the world like in this story? So it's been great. That's <laughs> really cool. awesome. Yes, Thank I've been you. kind of um, diving into a lot of black stories lately, just trying to read as many black authors as possible. And one thing right. I've been amazed at is the diversity of black writing. Like people try to pigeonhole yeah. us, but there's so many different types of writers and writing and it's really amazing to read all of it. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, I like to think of it as like, being like we're all different threads that make up this beautiful quilt you know we're so multifaceted that it it always makes me like so confused when people think of us as a monolith it's like no we have so many different flavors of experiences of like life of personalities voices you know and I think they deserve to all be heard I love the tapestry and the the quilt yeah, um, that's a beautiful imagery. Thank you. It is beautiful. I'm like, <laughs> I, I need to use that. I, I kind of want one now, like that somehow <laughs> signifies blackness. Like this is great. And the black book covers into a quilt, maybe. <laughs> oh, see. Oh, oh mm-hmm. that, that's dope. Okay, you were talking about all kinds of specific. What is your absolute favorite? Do you have one favorite, like uh, genre? genre? Yeah. Oh, Inside a specific. Hmm. That's so difficult because I would say right now, fantasy and sci-fi are very much tied. Um, But sci-fi was my first love. So I'd say that kind of trumps it just a tad bit. Cause you know, there's something about like space and aliens and just like, you know, a cosmos and the whole mystery of it that always made me so wide-eyed as a child. Like I loved AI, artificial intelligence and Independence Day, of course, like um, such a big sci-fi nerd. (laughs) So is that for writing and reading? You kind of gravitate towards sci-fi? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Like, I know whenever I see a cover that seems really spacey, that immediately makes me go like, ooh, what's that? And then if I read it and it's very like, um, oh, the grand cosmos or time travel or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. (laughs) Like, it's almost weird. Like, um, I kind of describe it as like, um, I like those sci-fi stories because they almost make me feel really small. And by small, I mean like a speck in like the greater universe full mm-hmm. of like all these things that we have yet to discover and yet to like kind of 
learn about ourselves. And I just love the magic that kind of comes from that too. That is awesome. You're reminding me of my childhood where I was always been in the sci-fi, still in the sci-fi, but like anytime I would see something like that with space or, you know, spaceships, I would just totally fall for it. And then I love time travel, like to this day, like time travel is one of my favorite things. And so I, I get hooked at all those, um, all those things that, you know, is make up sci-fi. So I love the futuristic world. Like I've always liked advanced technology and like seeing how that, where that can take us. I think for me, space is always kind of like too daunting. Uh, (laughs) It is. It makes me think of the film Gravity. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. (laughs) That was a great movie, but it was so stressful. Like, yes, yes. And when she finally lands on Earth, I'm like, I can breathe for the first time in two hours. Like, yeah, that movie's oh like God. humans shouldn't be in space. It, it is. Should... Space is scary. The movie. Oh, seriously. Exactly. Uh, okay, so Larissa, if you had a chance to travel to a distant planet, let's say it took three years to get there, but when you can get there, it's an inhabitable planet. Would you go? Ooh. Hmm. I'd say Neptune. It always looks really cool and funky. Like it's kind of off to its own, like a little thing, but it has a nice little ring on it. And it just nice. seems chill. And it's close to Pluto. So I can wave at Pluto, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> and you wouldn't be nervous going? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I don't, I feel like the excitement would kind of keep me from being too nervous. Um, cause I'd be just anticipating what I'd find on the other side. So that would keep me going for sure. Meanwhile, Chelsea would keep her tail right here on earth. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe when technology is like, when we can teleport, ah, they, they, but not the actual space travel, like <laughs> no thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, fun fact, I'm actually apparently too short to be an astronaut. You have to be five, two and I'm only five feet. I didn't know that. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a top height limit. I know. I feel like it get really cramped in there. Yeah, I'd say like six feet just seems too tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> claustrophobic. Yeah. Yo, I'm I'm claustrophobic now. I'm just I need some space around me. If I don't know that like I can move about, it's, it's not I'm not gonna work. Strapping me into a chair and then saying, "Hey, we're gonna blast off in however many you know thousands <laughs> of miles per minute." Nah, no, no, no. I can't. I can't. Do that. <laughs> Okay, so next question for you. So when did you start writing? Ooh, I started writing when I was 10, I would say. I remember that phase specifically because I was really into realistic fiction. So like um, Judy Bloom, um, uh, was it Ramona Quimby, um, you know, all those like coming of age books. And so I really loved writing books about being like a 10 year old like in fifth grade what I was going through but then also I still had the love of sci-fi so I was beginning to like kind of explore like those stories that were like kind of bubbling around in my imagination like um not seriously of course but just like oh let me write a story about like a cosmic octopus or something (laughs) and see where it (laughs) takes me like I remember just having so much fun like um getting like my notebook and a pencil and just like writing all this like words I had in my head like it made my wrist hurt but it was super fun (laughs) do you still write by hand sometimes 
Kind of. Um, I've noticed that sometimes if I'm in a creative block, like if I write it down, then I'm able to get the words flowing. So I don't know if that's like a muscle memory or something like that, but that's nowadays I stick mostly. Yeah. Like nowadays I stick mostly to like Microsoft Word. <laughs> hmm. I think when I first started writing, it was exclusively by hand and then slowly it died and went over to, you know, technology. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how that happened? Like, I don't remember when I stopped. I just remember one day I just had my laptop in front of me like, oh, let's just open up a Word doc. <laughs> I think it's the convenience and like the speed in which you can write. Mm-hmm. That's what it's always been for me. Like, I've never handwritten anything. Like, I'll take notes on a piece of paper, but I've lost so many great ideas by doing that. I just started like storing them in my phone. You mean like literally lost them? Like, like literally lost them, like oh, misplaced, no. don't know where they oh, are. No. Turned up in a box five years later, like that's happened before. Wow. So now, now I'm glad like I take notes on my phone. I can categorize it. I can put labels on it. And then what you said about like typing, I type way faster than I write. It's much easier. So I just do that instead. I can't yeah. Speed, it. speed's another thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love that speed. And I actually love having the phone when I get a random burst of idea. Like people always think I'm texting, but I'm just in my like notes app. Like, no, I have to get this down <laughs> so I don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I wonder yeah. if you can ever catch writers, like how many of us they think that we're, you know, texting someone. We're like, no, 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 I have this idea and I have to capture it. <laughs> these right aren't now. friends. These are no, these ideas. Are... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and have you ever had that moment where you have an idea and you don't write it down and you're like, I'll remember it. And two seconds later, it's gone. I know I won't remember it. I don't even oh, bother. <laughs> I don't even I, bother trying to remember. Oh, yeah. I've had that so many times. Like, oh, I figured out how to solve this, you know, plot point. And then I'm not around something to write it down with and then it's gone. And I'll never. Yeah, that happens to me in the shower and I'm so mad. I'm like, I don't have anything near me. <laughs> you know, I've seen something where you can buy and it's like, for like notes in the shower like so you don't forget Ooh, yes so my maybe. wife bought it for me for christmas so and it works great Ooh. i need to invest in that <laughs> yeah so i do that now like i'll be in the shower because that's the best place for me to think and like come up with ideas and then i'll just turn it, i'll just start writing on it and it's waterproof it's like a pencil and a pad of paper and you can tear off the pad you know the piece of paper and take it with you and i've saved ideas that way Nice. I love that. I, I think the funniest moments I've had like with ideas is never like it's always without fail. I'd wake up in the middle of the night at some point and be like, oh, my mm. God, I'm a genius. This is great. And I just write it down on my notes app and I go back to sleep. But then when I wake up, I'm like, what is this? Like, I remember one distinctively. It was like piano chocolate pudding and a deer. And I was like, what was I trying to come up with that? <laughs> I've done that before too. I'm like, I don't know what I was trying to say. Like, it does not make sense at all. All right. So what part of writing is most challenging to you? Ooh, I would say definitely drafting because mm -hmm. I have a bad case of writing myself into a corner or like after the first few chapters is kind of like losing steam and being like, well, maybe this isn't as good as I thought it was or kind of like, um, I have this weird thing where I write the first few chapters and then the story kind of splinters off into several different branches. I'm like, oh, I'll add this, then I'll add that, and I'll add that, and I'll add that. And then I realize it's become so convoluted and I just have to kind of rein it back or I'll just kind of like lose the story altogether. But it's been really difficult to kind of like not listen to those plot bunnies when they kind of pop up and just be like, I had this plan spontaneity is good, but if I do too much spontaneity, then I will have something that's unworkable. So are you saying you can see possible futures for your novels? <laughs> yeah, and it's so frustrating. <laughs> Wait, was that a time travel joke? 
Hey, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> if you really see it that way, that's what it happened right away. I was like, oh, wow. She said that she can figure out, you know, or see different ways that it can go. That's awesome. How do you pick which one you want to go with? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm still trying to figure out now. I think it's the one that I feel like kind of gets at the heart of the story the most. Because I know the other day I was looking over one of my drafts and I was seeing the different iterations that I had gone through. And when I started putting too many ideas and after a certain point, they almost read like different stories, too. So they can like stand on their own. But I think it's a kind of about like um, killing your darling, so to speak, and be like, well, this is cool, but maybe this could work in its own story. And then seeing like when I first got the spark of an idea, like what was the heart of the story that I wanted to tell? And then finding like the version where I can read it and I'm like, oh, yes, that's that nails it. And then kind of sticking with that and trusting in it. Sounds like you wanted to have a choose your own adventure book with multiple, you know, endings. Almost, almost. I could definitely see that happening. I should do that one day. <laughs> that, that would be fun because you're like, I have all these different options. Let me just go with it. Exactly. <laughs> well, that makes me wonder, like, do you do outlines for your, for your drafts or you just free write? It's like a mix of both. I used to be a huge pantser, um, but now I love outlines. And it's the funniest thing. Outlines is where all of those different plot bunnies start kind of coming up. And I'm beginning to think it happens during research because then I'm like looking at this specific thing, le- learning about this specific thing. And then I learn a cool element. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if this story added this. And then, you know, I create a whole nother plot line or like world building aspect that fits into that and then characters etc and then that's how it kind of becomes a huge puzzle I'm a big outliner like I feel like I want to have as much as I can planned as possible but then of course it doesn't work out that way but then every time I deviate from my my plan it's like ah, I freak out yeah I forgot which writer said it but I saw like um a few months ago I really liked the way she outlined it's like um she had anchors like anchor scenes, but then she left the rest of it to spontaneity. And I think that might work best for me because I have like a like guiding point, but I don't get so kind of lost in like whatever, like my imagination comes up with that I lose track of the story. But then I also kind of like what you said, Chelsea, I don't feel like too constricted or worried that if I kind of flow free that I'm messing up like what I outlined too. See, yeah, I, I've done that lately where I have an outline. I like the concept of anchor points. Um, but I have an outline and I just free write within it. Like, okay, I know where I want to go. I know what the middle should be. I know what the end should be. And I'm just going to write. And sometimes mm-hmm. I add chapters. And then I remember a couple of times I skipped over a chapter. I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to have that in there. Like, how do I put that back in? But um, one of our other co-hosts, Camille, she breaks down like every single part of oh, yeah. like, the story. <laughs> I mean, like every character's voice, their past, their present, their future, like every little thing and like like ultimate outline and I could never do that I love that though it reminds me of like those authors that every time they finish a trilogy they have like go into the world of so-and-so and it's like a huge volume of all the lore and stuff that's really cool man that would be great if you can have like all these side books that have all the extra parts and have like a novel <laughs> on each character that that would be amazing Mm-hmm. yeah she's the type of writer where there's going to be like tons of fanfic on her books because oh. she gives you so much to work with so much. Oh, that's the best kind I love that <laughs> <laughs> so if you could pick any author to be your mentor who would it be and why Ooh, N.K. Jemisin because mm. she's amazing yeah. and I'm just such a huge fan girl for her and 
I just feel like she has so much like wisdom when it comes to storytelling. I watched her masterclass and it was just so interesting to see, like I learned so much, like the way that she just approaches a story are things that I never even like considered. And then also like, I remember when I first picked up the fifth season, feeling that sense of awe. And it it was after a period of time where I hadn't really felt much like, um, emotional reaction from books lately and I was worried that I was losing my spark and this was also in the middle of my creative rut too and so when I was able to read that and just remember like you know how I felt when I'd find like a story that would transport me to a new world or fall in love with characters it just really like touched me in a way and so I feel like the type of writer that I am now would just grow so much exponentially if I had her as a mentor plus I think she's really cool in general. (laughs) It's crazy because she really gives a in-depth breakdown of like world building and it's amazing because she just like walks you through it step by step but she's a great teacher you can just tell mm-hmm. like she's just really good at it really confident and I'm just in there in awe like the whole time like I bet. and that's something where I I know I could use help with because like I've never even tried like fantasy really like my current work in progress is fantasy but like oh I know there's so much so much I need to build and mm-hmm. you yeah, probably it can be a so great daunting. teacher yeah. Oh my goodness. So I've, I've tried fantasy before and I realized that when I go back to it, I need to do so much more. So she had something so small as like, you know, draw your continents and, you know, put that on your map. And then if these people like are along the equator, then that's their climate's going to be different. And because yeah. of the climate, they're going to be affected differently. And I'm like, oh snap, I've never thought about that. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. It I didn't even do sense. that. I didn't even do that for my current work. I was thinking like, oh man, now I need to go back. Where where in the world do my people live? I didn't even where. I know she was like you just put an x anywhere like if it's in the middle of the water it's in the middle water now they're water people and I'm like oh wow that is mind-blowing like and yeah how do they evolve over the years so if they're water people in this water planet do they have water powers like is yeah okay it would inform so much it's like so basic but so I basic. didn't even think of it. Yeah, even the way she kind of broke it down, like how the hierarchies would be, like if yes. the water people had gills, I think she said the people without gills would be the one in power. So subverting that, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> the way that she put in all the cultural aspects and even connected it to our current world was mind blowing. Like, just it's amazing. The socio political like state of her world is like built into it. Like, it's yeah. it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why her stories feel so kind of like tangible too. Like if I were to like blink or walk somewhere, I could I could visualize it happening very very vividly. You know, I always wonder with people like her is who taught her? Like where where yeah. is she for real? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like and that's why when I did um the craft country, I talked about her and Neil Gaiman because the two of them blow my mind. Like they're oh, yeah. amazing, and I. I just sit there and I don't know how they come up with this stuff. And when they talk, I'm like, yeah, I need to step my game up because they're amazing writers and I need to get on that level. It might take me 20 years, but they've got it. That's the goal, right? (laughs) So humble, like just so humble. It's it's really good. Yes, that is the goal one day. Mm -hmm. So if you can go back and talk to your younger self and give your younger self any writing advice or industry advice, what would it be? Ooh. I would say to trust in your voice. I think when I was really trying hard to get traditionally published, I got really swayed by like, follow this trend. This is what's in right now or the marketability of this and blah, blah, blah. 
And then I think that's what really kind of disconnected me from like, well, this is a story that I want to tell. It might not be like what's in right now, but, you know, I have to trust that an audience will find it and really kind of sticking to it and not being so um, easily swayed or full of self-doubt about that. Because I think that's also like when I hit my creative block, too, because I found myself trying so hard to mirror what would be marketable or easy to like sell, even though that wasn't the goal. But, you know, I wanted a book published that I just Mm -hmm. kind of ended up losing what made me fall in love with it in the first place. So I definitely would say that. That's really good advice. It makes me, I, I wish I had that advice when I first started <laughs> writing. Um, I, I wrote like a contemporary sci-fi and then I was like, oh, sci-fi is dead. Let me hop onto this other idea. And I just yeah. kept manuscript hopping and hopping and hopping until I was just like, I took a break for a while. But but yeah, you have to follow your own voice and write the story that speaks to you. You totally Absolutely. do. I think that so many people have gotten lucky where they've like written the right thing at the right time, but they didn't know it. Like they yeah, put it yeah. out and like it just happened to get published alongside someone else who did the same type of thing. And now we have this, you know, new hot thing. And then once people try yeah. to jump on it, it's it seems to be too late, you know? And, yeah. It's like the books know. that you see getting published are the books that were being, you know, acquired like a few years ago. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And I never know like if it's too late, which is why you really do have to write what you want to write. Cause I was talking to someone about the whole dark academia thing that's going around right now. And that's like hot right now. And I'm like, by the time I ever got around to writing anything like that, which seems like fun, it'll be too late. Like it'll, probably, it'll come out one year after everybody has moved on, you know? Oh yeah. And there'll be the book where the sales just. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the person that put out a dystopian novel, like right after we were all done with it. Oh and we're my like, gosh, Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that was the this, longest train too. Oh, it was. But if I said dystopian, y'all were both like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." That's... Yeah, yeah, it was done for. But you oh. know, trends come back. Like trends come back. Yeah, like vampires are kind of coming back. I yeah, think. And they are. It's it's crazy. But mm-hmm. okay. And then werewolves are kind of coming back around too, which is a, a little whole bit. Yeah, I've never it, been a big vampire or werewolf person, so I don't really follow the trends. Yeah, I did the whole Twilight thing because everybody else was reading it. And now I look back and I'm like, mm. gave him the peer pressure. <laughs> I will admit, I did Twilight when it was big and I was obsessed with it. But that was also because I was a 13 year old girl who was very hormonal. So it was the perfect storm. <laughs> there you go. Perfect storm. I love that. <laughs> and you know, okay, so there you go, showing my age. Um, I was doing it because I was teaching middle school at that time. And all my kids were reading it. And so I wanted to know what the heck they were always talking about. Cause it was always going like, they're always talking about it. So I read the books and kept up, but I was like, man, there's a lot of drama in here. Talk about being like, <laughs> young and hormon- hormonal. I, one part still sticks out. I don't remember what book it is. I guess the second book where, you know, Edward leaves her or something. And there's like a chapter is just a blank page. Like, cause that was like her life. Like, it was not that her life was over. So it's like the chapter was completely blank. And then Listen, like, when I was 13, I was like, this is poetry. Right? It's you know, so deep. It's it, like, I remember, wow. I think in the movie, in the scene, she was just sitting in a chair and the camera was just like going around her and time okay. was just passing. <laughs> okay, like that. However they did it. Oh my gosh. I didn't even watch past the first movie. I was like, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, it's so dramatic. I remember rewatching the second one with my roommates like a few months ago for like giggles. And there's a scene where she's like, I forgot what Edward says, but she's like, if this is about my soul, take it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Girl. Well, at, least, at least you know what like the kids are reading back then. <laughs> 
I yeah. know we were emotional. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think anytime we look back on some of this stuff, like it looks cheesy. Like I'll go back with my kids and be like, Oh my gosh, this was the greatest movie ever. And we'll go watch it and be like, Ooh, that, that wasn't good. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was good 20 years ago, but I guess. It's yeah. Not. I want the movies you like, Kale. What Cheese and all. Oh. <laughs> and he, okay. Even some classics and I might hurt some feelings with this one, but we went back to watch hook. And I remember Hook being amazing. Mm. And then I'm like, mm. Hook is still good. Okay, when's the last time you watched it? When's the last time you watched it? Let me think. Uh-huh. I mean, Armour's Rufio. I okay. love me some Rufio. <laughs> yes. And I'm thinking this movie is the best. I can't wait to show you guys. And we're watching, I'm like, dang, like, it's, a, it's kind of misogynistic throughout. Like, oh, oh, yeah. like, there's a whole lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, I don't want my sons to repeat that. That's, <laughs> oh. That's not okay. What are we trying to say? What's the moral of this story? Like, what is going on? And there are no black people in Neverland. It's like mm. one kid. <laughs> what is going on here? There's so much. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to put my modern lens on this. I don't need to do that. Like back in 92 or whatever it came out. I thought it was- Yeah, you'll, you'll just ruin things for yourself. <laughs> oh, I did the same thing with the Goonies. I was like, oh yeah, go watch mm. Goonies. And I was like, oof. Mm, I don't know. I remember how hyped up on sugar all the kids appeared to be. And I, when I was younger, I was like, oh, no, this is great. This is awesome. But now I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody calmed them down. Now, okay, some of them are still classic, like the Sandlot. Like, I can still watch the Sandlot. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Sandlot. So good. Yeah. And so we'll watch that recently, and it's still good. And so we, we go back through all of them. My boys are like, hey, let's watch a movie from when you and mom were, like, younger. And they'll go back and want to watch old movies. So. Aww, oh, that's nice. That. Yeah, I get to brainwash them. So where is your favorite place to write? Do you have like a setup or do you go different places? Like what's your favorite place? Ooh, that's a good question. I love writing on the couch. And when I write on the couch, either having music on, on the TV or having like headphones in, um, I think that's probably because I've always been in a space where I wasn't able to kind of go off to a cafe or kind of like hole up in my room. So I've kind of made do with like, their environment I'm in to kind of still create the ambiance that I want to kind of call in. And I think the thing I love about music is that no matter where I am, if I have the playlist that kind of really speaks the story that I'm feeling, like kind of blurring in my ears, I get transported to that world and I kind of just, everything else becomes a blur and I'm just kind of focused on what I'm writing. But I love the couch for just being able to kind of have that openness like if I need to take a break I can just set it down and walk around like maybe do a stretch or something grab some food or you know look out a window and I think it just helps me feel I think it reminds me also when I was younger and I used to like read books on the couch too it's kind of like swapping the roles a bit which I think is really cool cool. it's like taking it back yeah do you always listen to music when you write not all the time but um when I do I always notice like a difference in the speed in which I write it's like I'm flowing and it's like oh it's all coming together because I think um I know like when I was growing up like the movies I would watch how it would have like really good soundtracks I'm thinking like Lord of the Rings and Harry Mm -hmm. Potter like those really familiar soundtracks and so I think growing up whenever I would hear a certain song it would really kind of exude the energy that I'm feeling towards a story whether it's like a dramatic story or a love story or like a sci-fi story. Like there's so many different types of music that I feel like call it in that I always just love having that playlist. Cause then it also kind of um, 
sometimes I think of like, well, not sometimes, most of the times I think of my books cinematically. And so the mm -hmm. playlists kind of also follow that kind of like story arc of like, this is what would happen. This is like the peak, this is like the ending, or this is a character's like um, internal journey and how they kind of like end at the end of the book. That's <laughs> amazing. I've written um, once or twice with some friends where we've like picked a song, we've all like synced up you know, to the same thing. And then, all right, just write, like, here's the topic or whatever. And it's been great. And as long as I don't have lyrics, I'm okay. Once I have words in the song, I can't write with it, like, at all. It just completely throws me off. Can you write with words? Yeah, actually, that's mostly the songs that I have. It's so no way. <laughs> yeah. Really? I was going to I say, can't. like, no words. For no words. I cannot <laughs> do words. I can't think How about. does it not, like, scramble your brain? <laughs> I think it's like a... <laughs> kind of revealing my nerd side like you know like um for anime like those like music videos that kids used to make on youtube back in the day of like oh yeah anime characters oh yeah or like what i'm thinking of is like um going back to twilight the song that paramore did like even though it had words like the moment you heard it, it was like oh this is a twilight song so i oh, think like okay. when i like listen to that music even though it has lyrics it doesn't kind of um it doesn't mess with the writing flow it almost kind of in some cases could be the character's inner like monologue that the lyrics are saying or like um just the entire energy of the story that's kind of being told so it kind of helps anchor me into like um the very specific tone that i want to maintain wow i need to try this now oh it's my so goodness. fun my spotify has so many playlists <laughs> i still just imagine like the words and my words I'm the kind of person where if someone's talking, I will type what they're saying rather than yeah, yeah. what I'm yeah, thinking. I do the same thing. Yeah. If I was typing right now, it would switch to whatever you guys are saying. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's going on. Maybe it's like a the brain can't focus or something. I don't know. Our, our brains don't work the same as hers, Chelsea. <laughs> like, I guess so. Okay. I like listening to um to like video game soundtracks or mm. film scores, like those kinds of things. But yeah, no lyrics for me. Well, okay, you mentioned anime a second ago and you're I'm executive producer of Quirk Chat. Tell us a little bit about that. About uh, Quirk Chat? Yeah. So it is this app, um, social media app, where you can essentially just meet and talk to other nerds like you. So if you're like into anime, uh -huh. gaming, cosplay, video nice. games, sci-fi, fantasy, of course, et cetera. Um, you could chat, make friends. Um, because the CEO, um, her goal was to really kind of um, find the community that she didn't have growing up as a nerd and you know nerds are sometimes shy and introverted too so having them all together in a safe space that feels inclusive also helps foster those authentic connections too so that is time. so cool that is Thanks. so cool like you can unite with your fandom like <laughs> exactly especially right now like during quarantine too that's awesome now i need to go check it out that is pretty cool yeah, yes, let me know what you think. <laughs> okay, I had one last question for you. I know we said we had a last question. So talk to me about Thread at Yale. Like, all about yeah. that. Yes, just whatever you want to talk about. You can just go. Oh my gosh, that was amazing because um, I don't even remember how I found out about it. I think it was one of those, like, email newsletters I'm a part of or just doing one of those, like, Twitter hashtag searches for, like, creative opportunities. And so I'd applied... Um, with a personal essay kind of about like my experience as like a Burundian woman, but growing up American raised and just really speaking to like how my perspective kind of shapes the stories I tell. 
and I surprisingly got in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Ah, Yale. <laughs> and then um, it was over the course of three days. And what I really loved about that is that it was storytellers, um, not just of like pros, but like um, journalists or podcasters, documentary makers, um, any type of storytelling that you can think of. And it really helped me understand like the nuances of a story. Like I think, um, you know, the name Thread at Yale, um, one of the ethos that they always talked about was like the thread that connects the story. Like what is the thread that connects your story together? And so was the, um, in the span of three days, um, I had a workshop group. We kind of workshopped each other's pieces. Um, and even though the piece that I wrote for the program isn't something that I ended up kind of continuing forward with, I just learned so much about like structure, like how to get a critique, how to give a critique, and also community too. Because I think, you know, writing in general can be really lonely, but when you find other writers, it's just great to have that sense of like camaraderie and then like people who get the craft and want to strengthen it with you too. So it was great. And hopefully they bring it back again after the pandemic too, because I think it's such a good opportunity. <laughs> That's awesome, right? They couldn't do it recently because of all that. And um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is really cool. And you're right about community. Like finding community is everything. Because before I found community, like it was just me sitting out there floundering, trying to figure out what to do. And I always tell people before getting on the writing community with Twitter, I had no clue like how to write a query. I didn't know what a synopsis was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to find an agent. None of it. Like people walked me through every step and I'm so grateful for them. It's so great. And then you can see everyone's kind of like growth and celebrate their wins with them. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's the coolest thing. Seeing people that, you know, in the querying trenches with me that have books released now, like, yeah. what? like how? <laughs> really that, cool. Oh, it's so cool. Like, Hey, I knew them before they had an agent. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was cool to like see them like you know progress through the whole journey and it, it's it's really fun yeah rising up together that's what i love about it yeah, it's good to have people to build with yeah exactly well thank you for joining us today larissa this was really cool i'm glad we had you on thank you for having me this was amazing thank you so where can our listeners find you um you can find me on instagram at lars the style the star child um, but it's spelled L-A-D-A star child. Um, so Lars duh star child. And nice. you could find me on Twitter at Larlar Writes. So L-A-R-L-A-R Right. Thank you guys so much. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Stay tuned for more heroes. You can find us on social media at Afronauts Pod. See you next time.